0: You are tuned to the Nachum Siegel Network on jmintheam.org and com. Stay tuned for JM Sunday with Matis Weingast.
1: Good morning, everyone. Welcome to JM Sunday right here on the Nachum Siegel Network. I'm your host, Matis Weingast. It's the 15th of May, the 7th of E.R., 22nd day in the counting of the Omer. Hope you all had a very, very good Shabbos and an enjoyable week. It's uh, 49 degrees outside here in uh, outside of our studios. Partly sunny going up to a high of 60, partly cloudy later today, and windy. Going down to 40 degrees May 15th 40 degrees in Jerusalem right now though it's 98 degrees and sunny 79 degrees and clear is the expected for the overnight if you're studying Yomi, Kedushin, Daf 65 Samachay. getting ready to close out another mishtachah not uh, the, in the not too distant future so uh it's a great time to get ready to start if you want to um begin uh on June 2nd babacama which is uh, a long one but it'll be a great way to get into it uh takes you all the way through to uh to the end of um the end of September almost so you could get that immersed in and uh, learn a lot great way of getting in uh hope you uh hope you have a lot of things planned for today including keeping us on the Nachum Siegel Network is available on the stream, um, on your computer. The NSN uh, the NSN app is a great way to listen. Morning are coming up at 7.30. News from Israel expected at 8 o'clock. My guest in the second hour will be uh, Yael Aldrich. She is uh, running a program in two weeks, two weeks from today, the Torah Home Education Conference in Baltimore, Maryland. We'll be talking about homeschooling in the Jewish community. That'll take place later on today. And uh, we're in our sphere of format of acapella music, so we're going to have all that and more for you right here on JM Sunday. Let's get right to the music. Here's A.K.A. Pella to start things off on this Sunday morning. (laughs)
2: Tizula ayyade hagburra, the optic the yanixafeh hay, khab khab asham tudula, ayyade the optic fairness yanixafeh the khab khab asham tudula, ayyade hagburra, the optic fairness yanixafeh the 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 i Amala go Mikora, shemi. Yeh ha'nearim chetah le arim, ve kare baeshemi, ve shame my vote Korah, yivarechet time that we Shalom, 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 be Shalom, Shalom, bechele, shalva bear beno, yehi Shalom, Shalom, bechele, shalom, beno, yehi shalom, 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 Shalva be armen or Shilemon on Shabore is
1: J.M. Sunday Matis, one guest with you. Uh, morning chuzzah coming up in a few seconds. We heard a number of a cappella selections. Uh, we are in the a cappella format, the Sphera format, I should say, for programming on the Nachum Siegel Network. So we played uh, all a cappella today, except, of course, for this morning's uh, Moda Ani, and uh, we'll end up with a tikva. The only two non-acapella songs, but we play those every Sunday morning, as Nachum does every weekday morning on JM and the AM. Great programming continues all day long here with uh, Encore presentations of programming from last week, and uh, tomorrow morning Nachum will be in at 6 a.m. It is the, uh, it's the 15th of May, 7th of E.R., 22nd day in the counting of the Omer. If you forgot to count last night, please do so sometime today. 49 degrees outside here, outside of our studios, and going up to a high of only 60 on this middle of May. It's not summer yet. It's still spring. But uh, tonight, a low of 40 degrees. In Jerusalem, though, now 98 degrees and uh, sunny, going down to a low of 79 degrees and clear. During the second hour, my guest will be Yael Aldrich. She is a a, uh, homeschool professional, and uh, she'll be talking about the upcoming program that is taking place in Baltimore in two weeks. It is a uh, conference on homeschooling, in the, uh, particularly in the Jewish community. It's called the Torah Home Education Conference, so that will be taking place, and we'll talk about that, and we'll talk about homeschooling in the Jewish community when she joins me uh, about 8.15 this morning. We're looking forward to that. All right, it is uh, time for morning Chizuk at this time. Each and every Sunday through Thursday, we present to you Rabbi David Goldwasser. Rabbi Goldwasser's words El Nishmas, Rabbi Zev, Rabbi Yosef Alevi, and Esther, Bas Rabbi Yosef Alevi. Here is Rabbi David Goldwasser with Morning Chizuk.
0: Good morning. A Mishnah states, Be careful in performing a minor mitzvah, just as a person would be careful in performing a major mitzvah, for we don't know the reward that is given for each mitzvah. We calculate the cost of a mitzvah against its reward, and the reward of a sin against its cost. The Hafla comments on this, and notes that if we don't know the reward for each mitzvah, how could we possibly assess its value? He cites the Talmud and Chulin. There was once an individual who stole a mitzvah of Kisayadam covering the blood from the person who had shechted the bird. Rav Gamliel determined that the injured party should be paid ten golden pieces. How was this amount estimated? Rav Gamliel established how much the mitzvah was worth to the person from who it had been stolen. The injured party revealed his assessment of his own personal value of the mitzvah. Had he not the guilty party would have been obligated to pay whatever price was demanded of him. The, the Hafla says, this is how we read the Mishnah, Be scrupulous in performing a minor mitzvah as in a major mitzvah, for we don't know the reward given for each of the mitzvahs. The reward for the mitzvah can be assessed by calculating the personal value of the mitzvah, and also the punishment for navera by one's personal evaluation of the worth of the Avera. The Aflach concludes that one who does a mitzvah solely because of his deep love for Hashem and really doesn't consider the reward he's going to receive, his compensation is indeed infinite. A wealthy man with a wonderful daughter was seeking an equally extraordinary son-in-law. When he finally found a suitable character, he invited the father to come meet with him so that they could finalize the shidduch. Since the prospective mechutten lived in a faraway city, the father of the girl sent a magnificent carriage to transport him. The two parents met for a few hours, but the father of the young man seemed reluctant. When the wealthy man saw it, he offered him a deal sweetener. Aside from the substantial dowry that his daughter would bring to the marriage, the wealthy man promised the an additional 400 gold pieces. The prospective mechutten was still hesitant the girl's father then tried another tactic he turned to the young man who was sitting on the side of the table and proposed the shidduch directly to him the young man immediately accepted they wished each other mazel tov drank a and signed the tenoyim without the approval of the father a while later the father of the chassan approached the man and said where are the 400 golden coins you promised me the wealthy man said oh no it's true that I offer you that large sum of money, but that was only so you would be amenable to the shidduch. Now that the shidduch was finalized without you, we have no business together. Similarly, the Dumnomagid points out, Hashem Yisbaruch makes a shidduch among Klael Yisrael. It's between the goof and the neshama. When the neshama wants to perform a mitzvah, it needs the cooperation of the goof. If the goof or the body is amenable, and helps the neshama achieve its desires, then the goof is rewarded in this world. This has been Rabbi David Goldwasser, bringing you morning chizek. Have a nice day.
3: And
2: Hashem, Hashem, echanan, echanan, elefah, Hashem, ekra, viel, viel, Hashem, 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 and hey.
4: Hashem se for size Hashem se for Hashem am not a ufiya who is not Hashem person who is not a person who
2: is a a for sair de só via de a certeza sai for sair to. a szem syfosaj, Shen se fosai, se to,
4: Hashem se fa se fa sa aitifta se se Hashem sefasai sefasai for ufi say, for I say, I tell you, I tell you,
2: a i tok. i I need you to we Say-
1: From the Yeshiva Boys Choir here on J.M. Sunday, Matta Guest with you. Thanks for joining me this morning. It's 8 o'clock. We're going to get to the news from Israel in just a few seconds. Uh, just wanted to fill you in on a couple of things. As you know, today is the 15th of May, 7th day in the month of ER. It's the 22nd day in the counting of the Omer, so if you forgot to count last night, please do so sometime today. Like us on Facebook when you get a chance, J.M. Sunday. While you're there, like the Israel Show with Mayor Weingarten. He's on Monday mornings at 9 a.m., immediately following J.M. and the A.M. with Nachum Siegel. That's an exclusive to the stream, as we are also on the Nachum Siegel Network. Uh, Just to let you know, a couple of other things happening around town. This morning, there is the Areva Breakfast taking place um, at Congregation B'nai Shun and Tinek. It's honoring uh, Lillian Pravda, Young Leadership Award recipient, and Jay Feinberg, Community Leadership Award recipient, so that takes place about 9.30 this morning. If you want to find out more about Arevote, you can check out its uh, its website, www.arevote.org. Great organization. And uh, also, Jay Inspire is sending a group to Israel today for its uh, Israel Reconnect 2016 program. They'll be leaving later on tonight. And they'll be back next Sunday. We may have a representative from that group on next Sunday to find out about the trip and how it was. It is a very inspiring trip, so we uh, congratulate everybody who's going. Wish them uh, well, and I'm sure they will have a phenomenal time. Uh, last thing to remind you is that my guest this morning at about 8.15 will be Al Aldrich. She is a, a homeschooling professional, and she'll be telling uh, talking about the Torah Home Education Conference taking place in Baltimore later on this month. So we will uh, look forward to speaking with her. And uh, now it's time for our news from Israel. Hannah Julian, Middle East news analyst and senior correspondent at JewishPress.com, joins us every Sunday morning to bring us up to date on the latest warm happenings in the state of Israel. Good morning, Hannah Julian. Good morning,
5: Montes. Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu told the government cabinet today that he got... France can be impartial in any peace initiative with the Palestinian Authority. Netanyahu said the same thing earlier in a meeting with French Foreign Minister Jean-Marc Ayrault. The French official arrived here today to meet with Israeli leaders and with those in Ramallah. Netanyahu said he told Ayrault the UNESCO resolution supported by France was scandalous. It doesn't recognize any Jewish connection to the Temple Mount or the Western Wall. It refers to both simply as Al-Aqsa and it calls the area Occupied Palestine. It also refers to Israel as an occupying power. Netanyahu has already sent a strongly worded letter to French President Francois Hollande over the matter. The prime minister is slated to fly to Moscow next month on an official state visit to mark Israel's 25th anniversary of diplomatic ties with Russia. The Kremlin confirmed the event, which is set for June 7th, Netanyahu was in Moscow on the day before Pesach to meet with President Vladimir Putin. The two men talked about Russian-Israeli cooperation in Syria and on other issues as well. A massive uh, brush fire burned in Mount Hebron on Saturday night and into this morning as well. The blaze was ignited by a military flare that was fired by the IDF. Soldiers lit the flare in order to find an Arab terrorist that was believed to have infiltrated one of the Jewish communities in the area. The search came up empty, but eight firefighting teams and four firefighting planes were required to extinguish that blaze. It started around 2 o'clock in the morning at a warehouse and a workshop near the community of Nagahods. Dozens of families were evacuated from their homes when the winds blew the fire toward their neighborhood. The fire was out by 8 o'clock in the morning, however. Children did go to school, as usual. And a little further to the south, secretary, uh, security guards at the central bus station in Beersheba stopped an Arab who looked a little bit suspicious at midday today. When they asked for identification, he gave them a red ID card. It turns out he's from Gaza. No one is sure how he arrived. The guards held him until police came to question him. An investigation has been launched. Now, let's take a look at the weather. It is a real scorcher today, about 105 in the desert areas, 98 degrees elsewhere in the country, except for a lot. In a lot, it is 113 degrees. Swim with the dolphins. (laughs) The dolphins have the right idea. They really do. We like the dolphins. (laughs) Hardly cloudy tonight, still pretty warm, around 81 degrees. The heat wave continues tomorrow, cloudy on Tuesday. Heat wave again for Tuesday. It's not going to cool off until at least Wednesday. So stay cool. <laughs> Have a great week, everyone. I'm Hannah Julian for Jam Sunday.
1: Thanks. That's our news from Israel. Thanks, Hannah Julian. I uh, appreciate that very much. We'll see you next week right here on uh, JM Sunday exclusively on the Nacham Siegel Network I hope the air conditioners are working out there (laughs) we'll go back to the music for a few minutes and then uh, about 8.15 we'll be joined by Yael Aldrich who is going to be talking to us about an upcoming homeschooling conference and we'll find out about homeschooling in the Jewish community so we look forward to that and uh, what do we have next we have uh, another AKA Pella selection right here on JM Sunday (coughs) Goldwag here on JM Sunday. Before that, we heard Yesh Tikva from AKA Pella. Mattis Weingest with you. It's the 15th day in the month of May 2016, 7th day in the month of ER, the 22nd day in the counting of the Omer. So if you forgot to count last night, please do so sometime today. In our area here in the, the New Jersey area, central Jersey, it's 49 degrees and partly sunny, going up to a high of 60 degrees and then down to 40 degrees tonight as Hannah Julian just told us uh, during the news from Israel it's uh over 100 in certain spots in Israel now and in Eilat it's 113 going down to about 79 degrees there tonight <coughs> so yeah it's uh, it's nice there for the people that are there here it's kind of kind of cool um, great programming continues all day long here on the stream on the Nachum Siegel Network with Encore programming during the day, a great music mix, and uh it's our sphere of format, so we have a cappella music going all during the uh, music mix. And then Nachum will be back tomorrow morning, 6 a.m., bright and early, on JM and the A.M. Well, it is uh, time now for our interview of the day, and it gives me great pleasure to welcome to the air Yael Aldrich, who is uh, the coordinator of this year's Torah Home Education Conference, which will be held in Baltimore, Maryland, on Sunday, May 29th, so two weeks from today. Yael Aldrich, welcome to JM Sunday. Yael, are you there? Hmm, let's just check this out. We may have a little technical difficulty. Hello? Hmm. Let's try this again. Okay, we're going to hit a little music and then, uh, and then, um, see if we can get connected to. No, we're
2: going to see if we can get connected to out (laughs) outfit.
1: Okay, we'll try that again. Yael Aldrich, welcome to JM Sunday. Hi, thank hey. you for having me. <laughs> there we go. Thank you so much. Sorry for that technical difficulty as it happens with uh, live programming. Yael Aldrich is the uh, coordinator for this year's Torah Home Education Conference taking place in Baltimore on May 29th. And uh, it is a basically a homeschooling conference. Um, Yael, why don't you start us off and tell us what is Uh, This is a multifaceted question. What is homeschooling in in terms of curriculum, testing, state acceptance? What is the whole package about?
6: So homeschooling can be a lot of different things. It could be uh, you looking like a teacher in front of your children, teaching your children subjects such as math and English and English and Dikduk. It could be, on the other hand, you living your life along with your children and then having whatever experiences they have in their life, you guiding them with lots of interesting materials in your home, but not formally teaching them much of anything. It could be some combination of the two. It could also be something like you having your children uh, using a computer program with other students in similar situations, learning things together with a tutor or teacher online. It could also be them learning mostly by themselves the subjects that you want them to learn. So homeschooling really can look like a lot of different things. In every homeschooling family, it looks totally different.
1: Now, in terms of requirements, though, um, at least in the United States and, and I guess all states, there is some requirement uh, for a student to be, and I'll use this very generally, in school by a certain age. Correct. So in every state, what there is a the law
6: for, the, for your children to be in an educational environment for some period of time, usually from 5 or 6 or 7 until 16, 17, or 18.
1: So, how do you let the uh, how does one let the state know, let's say, or a school district know that you choose to homeschool? Does it have to be from the beginning of the student's um, educational life, or can it be? Can you switch in, switch out? How does that work?
6: You can, in every state, it's legal to homeschool your children, so it's not illegal in any state to homeschool your children at all. You can choose the method of homeschooling in every one of the states. Once again, uh, you can choose how you want to homeschool. In some states, there's more oversight, in some states, there's less oversight. So in the states such as New York that have more oversight, you need to ask permission of your local area superintendent to homeschool. And in New York, specifically, you'll have to ask your superintendent and give them information about what kind of materials you'll be using. And like I said, that could be as varied as textbooks, but it also could be life experiences, learning how to cook, learning how to read, learning how to do math through uh, having a business. So it could be a lot of different ways to, to structure the how a child will learn. Um, in some states like New Jersey, for example, there really are no regulations whatsoever. Some states require you to register with a, the city in which you live. Some of them require you to, to register within the state in which you live. And some states, uh, like Indiana where we used to live, didn't require any regulation, basically whatsoever.
1: Hmm. And this is homeschooling. Up until when? Up to what grade can you homeschool? So let's say in Jersey or some other states.
6: So in ho- in in any of the states in America, you can homeschool obviously without any inter- interference from any regulations from educational departments. At really any age, um, you are required to have your children in school until. Uh, in most states it's 16 or 17 or even 18. So you would have to report, if your state requires reporting, you would have to report your, your your whatever they're asking you to report. Usually it's what your children are is learning, um, but it could be other information as well, until the age of required um, education is over. And then after that you could do whatever you want. There are home school children who do go on to college, both uh, at home and um, in regular colleges. And there are homeschool children who go on to yeshivas and seminaries as well.
1: Uh, are there homeschool or similar programs in college? I know there's distance learning colleges, um, but is there anything like that for college level classes?
6: They, most homeschool children, if they're going to go to college, tend to go to regular colleges, mm-hmm. but there are always people who want to have life learning as their most important goal, and so they may not go to college as a formal activity. Uh, but to get that stamp and that diploma at the end of the time, you need to have, you know, that, that some kind of organization to sort of back you on that. So there's not really a homeschooling college per se, but life is what, the, what they're learning, and they continue with that.
1: Right. Uh, now, in, uh, you mentioned about a degree and, and whatnot. When one finishes high school, you get a high school diploma, and that is necessary for acceptance usually into college, or people Correct. take the GEDs. Uh, is there any requirement for any of that type of testing once someone is homeschooled let's say through high school or it's up to you to decide if you want to pursue that by taking the appropriate tests and also do districts sometimes issue actual diplomas for students who go who go through the homeschooling process
6: so in most states that i know about parents will graduate the children themselves the state or the city or the the, the jurisdiction does not give uh, any kind of graduation ceremony or diploma to a homeschooler. The parents issue the homeschooling diploma. So the child, if say if the child wanted to go on to college, uh, the child would finish off their high school requirements, such as they, uh, such as whatever the parent and chooses. And what the parent, if the parents high homeschooling a high schooling high school age student, they're usually going to look towards what types of colleges they would be sending their child to, mm-hmm. and they would model the classes that they need based on what the colleges are expecting uh, a, a child of that age to have done at that point. So, if it were three years of math and two years of a uh, foreign language and three years of English and three years of history, so the the person. Who's teaching their child, or being the tutor, or having people hired for that child's education, would go ahead and make sure the child fulfilled all the requirements for the particular colleges that they're sending them to or hoping to send them to, and um, and then goes on from there. The kid takes the SAT or ACTs, just like any other person. Mm -hmm. Some of them put together a very standard-looking kind of college uh, package, you know, with an essay and all that. Some students to put together a portfolio of the work they've done if they've done something very interesting in their lives or they uh, pursue an art, pursue the art or pursue music and they'll put together a portfolio like that to show off the benefits of being homeschooled.
1: Very, very fascinating uh, information you're sharing with us. Yala Aldrich is uh, with us. She's the coordinator of uh, the 7th Annual Torah Home Education Conference. It'll be held in Baltimore, Maryland this May. um, Two weeks from today, actually, on the 29th. At the Cheder Chabad in Baltimore, Maryland, and uh, obviously there is a, a big need for, uh, or at least a, a desire for uh, Torah homeschooling um, in the uh, in the Jewish world. Uh, how does that differ than maybe a regular secular education? Uh, I mean, we have obviously yeshivas where people will go and day schools where, where students will go. Do you are you able to get all that in also within the uh, Confines, no, I shouldn't say confines, within the area of homeschooling?
6: Yes. I believe that with, with thought and planning, I think that uh, a wonderful education be, can be had by any Jewish family's children. So, Torah homeschooling or Jewish homeschooling can look different than, and probably should look different than, just the average uh, secular person who is not Jewish is homeschooling. Uh, I would say the majority of us who do Jewish homeschooling or Torah homeschooling obviously have the desire to have our children be able to open up a Humash or a Mishnah or a Gemara or a Mesilla Shasharen or whatever whatever text they're looking into or would like to look into as an adult and be able to understand that text in the original language and to be able to delve into, delve into Judaism. So I would say Torah homeschooling or Jewish homeschooling tries to do that with their children. Now people do that in a lot of different ways because of people, obviously, grown ups, the grown-ups in their lives, in the lives of the children, have a lot of different backgrounds. Some people went to Beis Yachos or to yeshiva. Some people are coming to this from a, a Balchuba perspective and may or may not have gone to Yeshiva. Some people are gayrim and may or once again may or may not have had the Yeshiva background. Uh, so there are a lot of different ways to help sh- make sure your children are in, are able to uh, Go to the work the goals that they're looking for. Uh, I know that some families hire tutors for themselves for the adults To teach them how to learn and then the parents themselves teach their children how to learn Sometimes people use tutors to actually just directly teach the children sometimes people use computer programs because now in 2016 uh, more and more Jewish companies are looking to see that there are people who want to learn topics of Judaism and are not doing it within a structured yeshiva or or day school education model. So there are lots of different ways it can happen. I know, for example, in my own family, uh, my husband and I both have uh, yeshiva training. We both went to yeshiva after we went to college. Uh, we're both um tshuva. And so we are lucky enough to be able to have the ability to teach our children ourselves. So for our children, after they learn how to read, after they they learn how to read Hebrew, we start with um, Humash and we move on to Rashi and the other Mephorshim. Uh, Then um, once they hit around 9 or 10, they start to learn Mishnah with my husband and sometimes with myself. And depending on the child's maturity, They start to learn Mishnah somewhere, I mean, they start to learn Gomorrah somewhere around 11, 11 ish. Hmm. And for the first year of of Gomorrah, we do it ourselves because we want to do a broad overview of what Gomorrah is and the initial learning process of how to start learning Gomorrah. And so far with our two older children, they've moved on to tutors that will work with them much more intensely for about an hour a day. And do more that
1: way. Interesting. I guess from a family perspective, it might be obvious why someone would, if they can, uh, would want to do homeschooling. Uh, what are some of the reasons that one would uh, would choose homeschooling in terms of the the students themselves, the children themselves? Or is it is it financial? Is it? Uh, uh, what are some of those reasons? So those
6: are, there are many different reasons why people homeschool. Mm-hmm. Some people come to homeschooling because they realize they would like to have. A more, in, a more engaged and intense family experience for their family, knowing that most schools, uh, whether on the right or left of the spectrum, have their children in school many, many hours a day and many days a week. They want to be able to say, you know, we prefer our children to be at home, to be learning from us, to be learning from the hashgafos that we have, to learn the minhagim that we have, and we feel the best way they could do that is to do it at home. Uh, other reasons people do it, are because they want their children to have a different educational experience than they could have in the schools that are available to them within their community. Some families live in a community with one or two schools, and those schools don't fit their child educationally. So they may take them and bring them home so they can learn what they could learn, what they can learn in the best way and the easiest way they could learn. Other families come home and bring their children home because their children aren't fitting into the school environment. Perhaps they have a learning disability, or perhaps their children have uh, issues that make it difficult for the child to be at school in, a, in an environment with lots and lots of kids.
1: Interesting. That's Some
6: families do homeschool because of finances. Some, unfortunately, mm-hmm. there are families that have the, don't have the ability to send their children to school. Yeah. They might like to, but they just physically can't because they just don't have the money. It's or expensive. they don't
1: want to put themselves into debt. Right. It's very expensive these days, Right, unfortunately. Uh, and that's a whole other issue and a whole other topic for discussion. It's 8.31 in the morning here on JM Sunday. Martha guest joined by Yael Aldrich, who's the coordinator of the Torah Home Education Conference taking place in two weeks in Baltimore. Uh, you mentioned about some of the reasons just now as to why someone would want to homeschool you mentioned uh, to teach them in haghem to teach hashkafa to um, have a way of learning that might be different than the usual way of learning what about the communal aspect uh, the social aspect of of the student it actually is two two questions that you could probably answer together the social a- aspect the interaction with other students in and that's Usual, I guess, structured environment, and also uh, the the ability to hear from others uh, different ideas, different thoughts, um, rather than just the the one way that you might be doing it, and you know, limited the time doing it at home.
6: Right. So everybody asks this question. It's probably the most popular question mm-hmm. out there for us. Uh, the, the minute somebody finds out that I homeschool my children, they say, "Oh, well, what about their socialization?" Yeah.
1: By the way, by the way, sorry to interrupt. For the record, I I figured that was that was a a popular question, uh, but also one that um, probably people have a knee jerk reaction to. Oh, you know, how could you do that? That's why I waited for a while into our (laughs) conversation because I know it's not it's not the most crucial, and there's a good answer for it. So please go on. So, uh, once,
6: especially once people start homeschooling their families and homeschooling their children, they start to see that the socialization happens. Um, I, I like personally, I like to say I've been homeschooling for nine years now, mm-hmm. and I have a mixture of extremely extroverted children extremely introverted children. The ones who are extroverted are going to be social no matter what you do. You can't stop them from being social. Mm-hmm. My daughter, who is the most social of all my children, the minute we moved to Boston this last year, she walked out the door, and guess what? She made three friends within, I don't know, five minutes. My more introverted children, on the other hand, have had the blessing and the ability to grow into themselves and then be able to say, you know, I'd like to make some more friends. I'd like to have, like to have people outside of my immediate family. And, I, and they make the choice at the ages that they're able to make that very best
1: from reading about this, that uh, there, especially in communities that have a large homeschooling base, uh, there are events that take place uh, that are tailored to the homeschooling environment. Uh, concerts, for instance, that are given during the daytime, uh, programs that are given during the daytime as opposed to just weekends or evenings when most students are home and can participate in these things. Uh, I know that there are a few places around here that will you know, say that there's they're tailored to the homeschooling community. Exactly. Uh, so I guess that's a way that they interact also. Absolutely. Now, even though uh, there are there are not particular requirements uh, in certain states, uh, is there any funding available from the state for homeschooling? Uh, as there is to a certain extent, to a great extent, of course, in the public school and to a lesser extent in the private schools, which do get certain state fundings through uh, maybe textbook uh, usage or things like that. Any funding that uh, homeschoolers are able to tap into in that sense?
6: Yeah, well, all, in, most, in most districts, in most places, if your child needs an IEP or needs um, some kind of uh, therapy, such as speech or physical or OT, they can get that from their home district.
3: Mm, okay.
6: So that's a very important yeah. thing. You don't just because you take your child out of school doesn't mean that they lose the ability to to receive the targeted therapies that they might need. That's right. one. And I think that's probably the most important. Uh, in some states such as where we lived in Indiana, yeah actually the, the government, the state government actually did give us a tax refund every year for homeschooling. It wasn't a lot of money, but it was something. Right. Um, and in uh, states such as uh, Alaska, there's a lot of homeschoolers because people live in very far out places.
2: Right, of course. Where they're not
6: being able to be served by, uh, you know, districts of uh, school districts themselves. So they get a lot of materials. California as well, where they can pick. I think around $1,000 in materials per child. Wow. They have to be secular. Mm -hmm. They can't be anything specifically Jewish or Christian or whatever. Right. But um, some states do give large amounts of money to do homeschooling. Uh, So uh, that that makes a difference. Some states have what's called online education or virtual education, such as K-12, and they have a virtual academy. So technically you're not a homeschooler if you do these virtual academies. Technically, you are a public schooler who does school at home.
2: Uh-huh. So,
6: in the home, in the general homeschooling world, there's a little bit of differentiation between those two groups of people. <laughs> um, but in the Jewish homeschooling world, we have a lot of people who do both. Right. They do the vetru- virtual programs through their state or through their um, their district, and then they also do Jewish homeschooling, whether it be virtual, i.e., online, right. or they do.
1: I guess, uh, again, from my my reading, and correct me if I'm wrong, that the the strict concept of homeschooling is not just that the children are schooled at home, but it's also the mindset of the whole family, the mindset of the parents as to how they want to um, teach the children and uh, how they want the children to experience what goes on in the world, so that, sure, you could have a strict curriculum, and uh, and that's a question I'm going to ask you about a typical day in a moment, but they could have a strict curriculum of, you know, 9 o'clock, you're starting with this class, this class, this class, at home, do the work, finish the day, and then, you know, you kind of go out of that room and come for dinner, right. as opposed to uh, the idea of homeschooling. So I, and it's funny you mentioned that within the general homeschooling um uh, Idea, There's that difference between the virtual and, and the uh, real type of homeschooling, even though they're both schooled at home. I guess schooled at home is different than homeschooling
0: yes. as so a concept.
1: This, those are, there are two different concepts, although some, in
6: some ways we do overlap because you do have more flexibility by being at home, whether you would school at home or homeschool. Right. Um, there are a lot of different homeschool philosophies, So once a person says to me, hey, Yael, I really am interested in homeschooling. I would love to know more about it. i say, great. I can tell you about my particular homeschool, the Aldrich family Mm homeschool. But I could tell you about the Coxes, or I could tell you about the Eagles or I could tell you about the Werners. I could tell you about all these different families, and they all are completely different. I always tell people when they're thinking about homeschooling or interested in homeschooling, run to your library, run to Amazon, run to your bookstore, and pick out, just pick out five random books about homeschooling mm-hmm. and learn about the different ways that you can homeschool your child so you open your mind to the ability to say, I'm not just going to go ahead and put my kids in desks at home as opposed to being at yeshiva right. or at base yaakov or at a day school. And I'm not going to you could, and I know families who do this. They mm-hmm. have desks, they have uh, you know specific curricula that they use. And, and it looks more or less like a school. They even have uniforms. But the, you don't have to do it that way. Right, right. A lot of people, when they're bringing their children home, especially if they're bringing them from a school environment, think, okay, my school has to look like that.
1: Yeah, exactly. After it doesn't have to. After a year
6: or two, they start to say, you know, it, my school doesn't have to look like that. Right, right. If I feel more comfortable my child, needs something different than, than the desk, pencil, material, uh, textbook type of schooling, I can do something different. A lot of people come into schooling from that saying, you know, I need it to look like a school, and then they sort of eventually within a couple of years say, you know, I don't really need that. Sure. I can change it and look, make it look different. Yeah. I can make it look very different. Some people come into it and say, I want it to look very different, and then they say, you know, I really need to make it to have some kind of structure that they're not getting from our home life the way it is, so then I'm going to bring in some textbooks.
1: Right. So what might be a, a typical day in uh, your homeschool environment? How would it so, look? Are you hood it? If you need a tutor to help tutor. With, with something so that's in more.
6: Our house it's more it's it's mom or dad. That's good. But, that's good. you um, can do that.
1: Sounds like you, you need a, a computerized schedule just to keep everything going there. And it's certainly a, a tremendous commitment to do that, uh, to homeschool and do it in the way that you're doing it, for example. Uh, granted, it's a tremendous commitment for parents to send their children to a yeshiva also because they have the commitment that they have to make the money for it and, of yes, course, support. The and, and, deal with the homework and, and the and homework, right. The and support. And it, support. It, exactly. And there's tremendous, you know. Uh, um, Commitment on on all sides. Uh, one question before we touch upon the uh, conference, uh, in a in a community, let's say a, a Jewish community, where you're going to see people in in shul and get together with them, and if there's a community-based school there, uh, what's the reaction of of pa- other parents uh, to the homeschooling uh, families that are there, you know, that are not in the in the school, um, and does the school feel you know, do you get any pushback uh, from from that area? Do people get pushback from that area?
6: Uh, I would love to say that everybody embraces everyone equally. No, won't happen. So, <laughs> but, but unfortunately, sometimes there is pushback. Sometimes communities are very open mm-hmm. and uh, and don't mind that people take different educational alternatives. Okay. Unfortunately, sometimes there is pushback. Sometimes there are negative repercussions to homeschooling. Uh, and I feel very badly for the families to which that happens. Right. I know that in our family, we've moved to different communities. We moved a lot, and in some of the communities, we've had a very welcome and open response from the rabbanim, from the communities, from the schools, from the schools. Uh, but unfortunately, in some communities, it's been less than welcome. Uh, you know, we try our, our very best as our family, but also as homeschoolers, to show them that I don't, we don't hate the schools.
2: Right, of course. We don't
6: hate education. As, a, as our teachers, we love them. We know that the majority of people are sending their children to schools, and the schools have to be good. So we give our money, our time to the schools in the communities that we, in which we live and don't hesitate to help them in any way we can. Um, but we say that, that in the, for our smart family that we pursue a different educational track, and it's no slur against the schools themselves and no slur against the teachers or the parents. It's just that we happen to want something different. Sure. Uh, and, um, and, and hopefully that helps. It doesn't ameliorate everybody's worries or everybody's concerns, but I, I can tell you that it changes a lot of people once they see my children in action, once they see the ability of things that they can do and be and the way they interact with adults as well as children, that they, 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 most
1: people do come around. Right, and it's also, it's not like you're expecting anything from the schools. It's not like you're asking them to give a diploma or, you know, to, to, to do anything for your children in particular, um, and yet you're teaching them in a different way. So, you know, they really shouldn't be anything, but like you said, not everybody gets along <laughs> all together. Well, especially in
6: smaller communities where every child is really needed in the school, mm-hmm. You know, you can feel the, the you can feel pleasure, you know, right. say, because your children. Y- y- there aren't that many kids in the class, or there aren't that many Shomer Shabbos kids in the class, and your kids would really be an asset. Right, but uh, I have to personally. I I feel, and with our rabbis' approval, we have to work on what we feel is necessary for our children. So
1: we pursue this particular path. Exactly, exactly. Uh, Yael Aldrich is the uh, coordinator of the Torah Home Education Conference taking place in two weeks in Baltimore. You just mentioned about the uh, the interaction of uh, homeschool families with schools. There might be some pushback. I imagine that more education about the homeschooling network uh, would help towards that end. Uh, how does this conference tie in to the homeschool, the Torah Homeschooling Network, and uh, what do you uh, expect will happen in uh, at the seventh annual conference in two weeks. So
6: this conference is very important to Jewish homeschoolers because there are lots of different homeschool conferences in the world, but most of them are either explicitly Christian or uh, just a general homeschool conference that tends to happen on Saturday. Mm -hmm. So... Most of the people who come to the homeschooling conferences, um, uh, that come to the Torah Home Education Conference, don't normally go to Jewish homeschool conferences where they can learn from other homeschoolers about homeschooling, talk to other people who have had experiences similar to theirs, go and look at vendors who sell products that are, and, and services that are specifically for homeschoolers. So our program, our conference, is really eagerly awaited for by many, many people because this is their only chance for their children to meet a large group of homeschooled kids and for parents to see other homeschooled parents and uh, to, to talk, to talk shop. So it's really, really imperative that we have a conference so that people can do that. Online is great. People use, you know, people use Facebook, people use Yahoo groups. I'm the leader of a a online group with almost 500 families on it Hmm. for Orthodox homeschoolers. But it doesn't match when you actually get to see people. You you see people running into each other's arms. You get to
2: see (laughs) people
6: crying because they're so happy to see their friends they've made over the years. So that's what the homeschool conference does for the majority of the homeschool families.
1: How many people would you say, how many Jewish families um, are... In the uh, homeschooling network around the country, this country.
6: So I have, like I said, I'm the leader of a Yahoo group called Jewish Orthodox and Homeschooling, which is the largest online support group for Jewish from homeschoolers. And I, like I said, I have just short of 500 families right now.
1: 500 That's families in the group. 500 families in the group. And are, would you say that all of those homeschool their their children to some form or or at least some of the children?
6: I'm are. Wow! Wow. The great majority of them are. Some, are, some of the people are, uh, you know, have young families and are thinking about it. Mm-hmm. Some families are, you know, contemplating the idea because they're having, uh, they're having issues with children in school. Right. right. So you have a lot of, family, you do have families who are thinking about it, uh, but the majority of them are homeschooling. But honestly, everywhere I go, um, people say to me, do you know so-and-so? Yeah. Uh, they homeschool. I say, no, I don't know them. So right. honestly, I would probably put the number somewhere, you know, in the 2000s family range within just the United States. Wow. There are families who homeschool in Canada, in South Africa, mm-hmm. in Israel, and in the Far East. So you have people homeschooling in a lot of different places. So
1: a conference like this is very important for all those people to uh, to experience in one form or another and to get information because it will give you all those resources. Exactly. Well, uh, I want to thank you, Yael, for uh, joining me this morning on the air. It's been a fascinating conversation. learned a lot about homeschooling and uh, we encourage people to, um, if they're interested in it, to, to find out more. What's the best um, What's the best contact for the conference if somebody wants to register for it? And also, I, I know you can go online. I went online and searched and found a ton of material on Jewish homeschooling. But what would you say is the best resource for the conference and in general for homeschooling, Jewish sure. homeschooling? Sure. If people are interested in finding either more about Jewish homeschooling, or
6: about the conference itself, they're more than welcome to email me at Torah Home Ed. that's T-O-R-A-H-H-O-M-E-E-D, at gmail.com. Okay. And uh, I hope, I've been working so hard on the conference, I haven't had time to work on a web page, but I'm hoping to reopen a webpage called JewishHomeschooling.com. Mm-hmm. So uh, that hopefully that will be up and running hopefully over the summer and will be giving lots of information about homeschooling and about future webinars and future conferences. Right. And um, if they're interested in Jewish homeschooling in general, Google does work wonder- wonderfully. Right. There are lots of different resources out there.
1: And for the conference, uh, where would they go to uh, register for it to find the a bit specific... The registration
6: for that is eventbee.com, that's eventbeecom thats eventbe com slash 2016 Torah Home Education.
1: Okay, excellent. Again, Yael Aldrich, thank you so much for joining us this morning and for enlightening us on the topic of Jewish homeschooling, Torah homeschooling, and we wish you tremendous success in your endeavors.
6: Thank you so much. Take care.
1: Take care. It is uh, 8.53 in the morning here on JM Sunday. I'm this guest with you. We'll finish up with uh, Ellie Gerstner right here on JM Sunday on the Nachum Siegel Network.
2: see you. O Shire Shire Shere,
1: Gersner with Shiru Lanu closing out today's program here on JM Sunday on the Nahum Siegel Network. My thanks again to Yael Aldrich who uh, talked to us this morning and joined us to talk about uh, Jewish homeschooling. If you missed any of the uh, discussion, you can catch it on uh, the archives, which will be up a little bit later on today. Programming continues all day long with uh, with the great encore presentations and a music stream fit for the Safira format a cappella. And uh, Nachum will be in tomorrow morning on JM in the AM, beginning at 6 a.m., followed by Mayor Weingarten with The Israel Show, which is a stream exclusive on the Nachum Siegel Network. We'll see you back here. Have a great week, a great Shabbos, and uh, we'll join up with you hopefully next Sunday morning on JM Sunday.